It's good to be with you all. So I'm so honored to be here, and uh, I've known Mike and Sally for like 10 years, and they've made such a difference in my life. My wife, Marsha, she's at home running our kids' ministry at my church uh, uh, in, in Louisville. Can, you give, can we all say Louisville? Let's do it. Come on, Louisville, like Elvis Presley, Louisville. But, uh, and taking care of grandkids, but it's just an honor to be here. I was telling Mike, we were sitting back in his office, and I was just thinking about being here speaking, and, and, and I told him I never dreamed that I would be speaking at his church. And, and honestly, it's just kind of the amazing things that God can do in our life, and we're going to see that in this story we're going to read here in just a moment, an amazing thing that God did in the life of Peter and the people who were fishing with him. The title of the message today is Paradigm Shift. Paradigm Shift. Turn to someone next to, them, uh, next to you and say, Shift Happens. <laughs> because a, a key point of this message as we get ready to start and read this text is that God is calling us to do something differently. He's calling us to do something differently in terms of how we relate to him. And he's calling us to do something differently in terms of how we relate to other people. So let's dive in and let's read. We're going to read from Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. All right, are you all ready to fasten your seatbelts and rock and roll? Amen. Let's do it. One day Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Great crowds pressed in to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. And when he had finished, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper. And let down your nets to catch some fish. Master Simon replied, We've worked hard all last night and we didn't catch a thing. But, aren't you glad there's a but in the Bible? Amen. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. And this time the nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish that had been caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And then Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. And literally, stop being afraid. Stop an action that's in progress. I, I wonder this morning if there's some action that's been in process in our life and God's saying, you don't have to live that way anymore. Stop being afraid because from now on you're going to be fishing for people it's interesting as we think about like God is calling us to do something differently 
Uh, notice how Jesus gets into a boat. He asks Simon Peter, his owner, if he could step into it. And then uh, he, he gets in the boat, goes out of the water, and he begins preaching to the people who are on the shore. I bet no one in that day had ever done such a thing in terms of preaching and bringing the message. You know, the, the message was the same, but the, but the way it was being delivered was a little different. And we're going to talk about that today. And then notice how he said to Simon, you know, normally they would fish along the shoreline, but he says, I want you to cast your net where it is deeper. I want you to do, you haven't done it this way before, but I want you to do something a little different. You know, as we think about, before we kind of get into the, really the main part of what I want to share with you all today, um, and that is how we do something different in terms of how we relate to people. I want you to think about, for a minute, about is God calling you to do something different in terms of how you relate to him? You know, for years in my life, um, I always related to God. I, I don't know why, maybe was, I was an athlete growing up and I was very competitive. But it was all, I had this mentality in my ministry and I've had it for so long until 2015 that it's performance equals acceptance. And I was at a conference that Mike was speaking at in 2015 and there were 300 people there. And, and, and check this out, he said, you know, and we got ready to end the service and we were gonna have a, a response time. How many of you know that vulnerability is your friend? That when we can make ourselves vulnerable, amazing things can happen in our life and in the lives of other people. But it's one of the hardest things that we, can, we step into because we live in such an independent culture. We live in such a culture of it's to be, it's up to me. And God is calling us to put aside our independence for togetherness, for realness, that we can take our mask off and we can be real. So Mike goes like this. He said, there's 300 people. He said, you know, there's, I have a sense that there's someone here and you've been carrying all this tension. And in fact, you've been carrying it like in your back and the back between your shoulder blades. It's just, you've got this pain that won't go away. Now you would think that a lot of people would say, well, heck, I experienced that, right? He said, is there anybody like that in this room that feels that way? And as soon as he said that, I knew that he was talking to me but not one person out of 300 people raised their hand. Cast your, I want you to cast your net where it's deeper and something amazing is gonna happen. But Lord, I don't wanna do that. I'm afraid of how I'm gonna look. I'm afraid of what other people might think. You know what ego stands for? It stands for edging God out. And I had to let go of my ego, but I got such a gift that day because I raised my hand. And then he said, you know, I, why don't we just a few of you gather around Robert because he knew who I was and just begin to pray for him. And then if there's others of you that have needs in your life, you know, and maybe you need a prayer, just feel free to stand and some people will gather around you. But he came over to me later and he said this, you know what, brother? He says, I just sense the Lord wants you to know this, that he wants you to know that you're the son that he loves. And that was a turning point for me. He said, I, I just feel like you ought to sit with that. And for the whole next year, when I would go out in my hot tub to pray, kind of get an amen for the hot tub. <laughs> Jim and Emma are hosting me, and they're such great hosts, but they need to get a hot tub. Come on. 
I literally went out last night while they were at dinner looking for the hot tub. <laughs> but I would, get, I would get out into the hot tub and I would just be quiet with the Lord and I would sit with him. And I would say, Lord, I pray that you would help me know that I'm the son that you love. And over time, I started to believe it. And my ministry started changing from performance equals acceptance to that I'm the son that he loves. And um, that was another different way that I would learn to relate to God. The other day, I was going to, um, I was, it was a Monday. Typically, I try to work on what I'm going to speak on for Sunday to get a head start on that. I had a lot of meetings, some coaching. You know, it's just one of those days. I'm sure you all have those days, too. And the last thing you need is to get delayed by something that was unexpected. So I'm jumping onto my bank account, and I'm noticing my passwords aren't working correctly. All of a sudden, my, two of my accounts are gone and no longer there on the screen. I'm talking to online banking, and I'm like, what is wrong with this picture, you know? And long story short, it's like you're going to have to go down to the branch. And I'm like, oh, brother, great. You know, so I'm driving down the branch, and I've got 30 minutes to get there. You know, I, I go one way, the traffic, I go one way, and there's a train in the, in the, in the way. It's like, I hate trains, you know. <laughs> I go back another way, the traffic is backed up, I have to go back through my subdivision. By now, I'm saying some Greek words that you maybe have never heard before. <laughs> but it's like, here's my point, it's kind of like I've got this low, low like frustration, low-level fr uh, anger. And then God reminded me of what I told our people on Sunday, like just a day earlier. I told them that when you're stressed out, practice adoration. And the A stands for focusing on who God is, not who you are. You know, when you focus on who you are, you can always talk yourself out of doing something. Like the challenge that we're going to give you for this week, the challenge that we're going to give you to step into in terms of how you're living your life. It's easy to talk yourself out of it if you're focusing on who you are. But if you focus on who he is, things happen. Shift happens. Be careful how you say that, by the way. You know what I did? I started singing this song that I've been singing that I just love. Because what I do is the very first thing I do in the morning. I had to put eye drops in my eyes because I had eye surgery two years ago. It takes about 30 minutes. So I love to just get my eye drops and I love to go downstairs into a private room and I lay on the floor and I tell uh, Siri to play, hey Siri, play Great Assembly by Stephanie Gretzinger and Siri, uh, repeat it. And I just lay there and I listen and I let that flow over me. So in the midst of my frustration and my anger, I started just singing. And think about that. It is the totally opposite thing we think about doing. Like, I don't have time to sing. I got to get my bank account straight now. What are you talking about? I got to make something happen. If it's to be, it's up to me. I got work to do. I don't have time to focus on Jesus or interacting with people. And yet you never hear somebody on their deathbed saying, I wish I'd worked more. You hear them thinking about their relationship with God. You hear them talking about the people in their life. So you know what I did? I started singing this song. 
We long, we long, we long for you and no one else can satisfy us like you do. Sing it with me. We long, we long, we long for you and no one else can satisfy us like you do. Here we are gathered in one place together. Your spirit is ever drawing us. Our hearts are burning. Jesus, you're all we want. We long. We long, we long, we long for you. And no one else can satisfy us like you do. Jesus, we long, we long, we long, we long for you. No one else can satisfy us like you do. And you know what happened? I got to the bank and um, all my accounts were straightened out. They were back up, passwords were there, it's like everything was everything changed. You know, my grandmother told me growing up, she said, Robert, just sing a little song to Jesus and everything will be all right. Or have a little talk with Jesus and everything will be all right. You see, God has to do something in you before he can do something through you. God has to do something in me before he can do something through me. You see, I've lear I'm learning, first question, how's God leading you to relate to him differently? For me, it was a movement from performance equals acceptance to I'm the son that he loves. For me, it was a movement of seeing obedience no longer as obligation, but of love. Jesus said to Peter, he said, cast your net where it's deeper. But Lord, I've worked all night long. I don't feel like doing it. I don't want to do it. I'm worried about how I'm going to look. I'm worried about what people are going to think. But I feel like God has said, I want you to reach out to this person and just say, how's your day going? If you, as long as you view your life with God as performance equals acceptance, you will always view obedience as obligation. You will always view, view obedience as religion, a set of rules, do's and don'ts, and all this kind of stuff. But if you move from performance equals acceptance to the son or daughter that he loves, you will begin to see your obedience as a response to the, his love. You see, Jesus is continually knocking on the door of our heart. He doesn't just knock one time and he comes in, the transaction is done. He is, all, he is constantly knocking. Because you know what he's wanting to do? He's wanting to let your, the burdens of your life be lighter. So I started moving from performance equals acceptance. I started look, moving from obedience as obligation to obedience as love. And look what happened for Peter. When he responded and he did it, something so amazing happened. But again, look at his response. He goes back to performance equals acceptance. He said, Lord, leave me alone. I'm such a simple person. And Jesus is like, you're just the person I want to hang out with. 
Did you know that we talk about loving God's presence, but did you know that God loves your presence? He loves to be with you. And so here's why I'm going with this, and then we're going to move on. We have to get ourselves ready. We have to let God do something in us. I had to, God had to do something in me from moving me from a performance equals acceptance mentality. Like, like every other Sunday, I was, I was like, I didn't feel good about the sermon. I was constantly second-guessing myself, never feeling good about my life and my ministry, feeling like I'm Moses in the desert. Because, you know, in my 30s, I went through addiction recovery, and I took a whole year off from ministry. And I felt so, looked, and I went back to the church I grew up in, which was 2,000 people. And I felt like everyone was looking at me because I was, I, I played football at the University of Kentucky. I was known in terms of sports and I was known in terms of ministry. And it's kind of like, what is going on with Robert? And rather than feeling like people were becoming, coming alongside of me, I felt like they were judging me. And I told my wife, we had, our kids were small at the time, I came up to her during a break between Sunday school and church, and I said, I cannot do this. And I tell you what, she is the most amazing woman because she stood by me. And we've been in love with each other ever since college. You see, God will do amazing things for us if we will just open up our heart to him and not run away. But you know, what, you know where my church was? My church was with a 12-step a group on Sunday mornings at the Springs Motel where this dear, sweet woman would serve us breakfast and us guys would sit around and we'd be accountable to one another, and that was church. Little did I know that God was preparing me to look at church differently in terms of how I was going to go out and interact in the community and I was going to say something different to people. God wants you to relate to him as the son or daughter that he loves, that he loves to be with you. Have you ever worked hard all day? I mean, you've got one project after the next, but all through the day you interacted with somebody, like via text. Maybe during a break during lunch you called them. You know, maybe it was your boyfriend or girlfriend or your husband or wife or a, a close friend or whatever. But the point is, you were busy, but you stay connected to a certain person. And then when work was done, you'd meet up for dinner. See, that's the kind of relationship that Jesus Christ wants to have with you and me. That as we remain with him all throughout the day, he causes the burdens that we go through, the stresses that we go through, he causes them to totally look differently. And he does something that's wondrous and amazing. And then when that happens, we feel like going and looking for someone to love. How is God calling you to relate to him differently? And how is he calling you to relate to others differently? So I started also relating to God differently by praying together with others. So at the beginning of the year, I started, um, I was on this new journey, which I'll tell, a bit, tell you more about as we kind of get into part two of this message. You're like, part two, my gosh. It's already 20 minutes has gone by. No. Um, I've always prayed uh, as, I, as, I, as I would journey through my recovery, I'd go to a cabin you know, every three months. You know, I, I'd go to the monastery. I read a lot of Thomas Merton. I became uh, you know, like a monk in some ways. I was outgoing, but I loved being by myself. I would get re-energized being by myself. I would get re-energized. It was no problem for me to go to the cabin and stay five days all by myself. I would take my phone with me, just me and, me and Jesus. 
It was, and I had some amazing times in the cabin. And here's what I've learned. Personal prayer builds intimacy with God. And it's so important we learn to do that because I learned through, through, through my addiction recovery, whether it's sex, food, alcohol, drugs. And a dear friend of mine literally who has taken a break from ministry told me that my addiction was not sex or alcohol. My addiction was work. It's so important because I learned through my readings in addiction that addiction, no matter what it is for, for and some of you, I'm not saying we're all addicts, but we all are searching along and for something, that addiction is a search for intimacy. And you see, as we learn to connect with Jesus in that close, loving way and just being with him, it satisfies something within us. It, it, it builds intimacy which takes away our thirst for something else because we all have to spell relief in a certain way. And Jesus is our relief. He's our Rolades. It's like Rolades? What in the world is Rolades? So I started praying with Mike and his team Monday through Friday at 8.30 to 9. And let me tell you something. When I thought about doing that, I hated doing it. Let me tell you why, because I'm a very free spirit, I'm artistic, I love to be, like sometimes I'd stay up to two o'clock in the morning working on sermons, you know, I'm not doing something I shouldn't do, I'm working on sermons, I'm watching the, I'm watching the Lakers game, come on Lakers, you can come back on the Denver Nuggets, I know you can, do we have any Laker fans in the room, come on, I mean you either love LeBron or you hate him, isn't that true? Wow. And... <clears throat> Now I had to like, I couldn't step to two in the morning and, and like sleep in a little bit later, still have my time with God because typically my day didn't start till 11 a.m. Or, or noon and I'd go up until eight o'clock at night, you know, get my dinner, come home, get my TV tray, whatever. Um, but God was calling me to connect more together. And here's what I learned. Personal prayer builds intimacy with God, but together prayer brings breakthrough. If you want to see a breakthrough happen in your life, in your business, in your family, in a situation happen in your life, start praying together with others. When two or three of you come together and make a prayer about it, my father goes into action, Jesus said. Personal prayer brings intimacy, but together prayer builds breakthrough. I start relating to God differently. In terms of just me and him, there's, there's, something, also, there's something special that happens in, the, in that, but there's something special that happens in the togetherness. And something special started happening. And then God started calling me to relate differently to other people. I started investigating. I watched a film called Sheep Among Wolves. And I started, I started investigating how there's a, there's a team of people on the ground. It's organic. It's an underground movement. But literally, they're no longer inviting people to mosques or buildings. They're inviting people into a relationship. And the fastest growing movement of Christianity is happening in the 10 most dangerous countries to live in. And there's a movement of people finding Jesus and building relationships, uh, that real relationship. Remember the 12 people I said I met with at the Springs Motel and doing church? It's that kind of movement. It starts off all with one person. And I started I also, not only Mike, he and I had a conversation at the end of, of 2022. And I almost thought, I thought about walking away from my church. Because it was after the pandemic, and again, I got back, I kind of got back into that performance equal acceptance mode because I was trying so hard to see the church come back. Because, but the problem was it wasn't coming back. People weren't coming back. 
and we lost half of our people. Then we started working on we're, we're going to do this online stuff, you know. And it's kind of like every Sunday I'm checking how many people watched. I'm, I'm looking at, Instagram, you know, social media stuff. You ever get like that? And it wasn't enough. And I became very discouraged. But he and I had a conversation together that was revolutionary. And again, it was that togetherness. We have to move from our independence. We have to be known. We have to know and be known. We have to love and be loved. And that conversation with this man changed my life. And I was no longer wanting to quit. I wanted to re-engage. And he saw me a way to help the church do that without making people feel judged. He helped me to see that we can all find a place in this game. We need people praying. We need people building relationships with each other with those who are coming. We need people being sent out to build relationships with those who are not here yet. So he helped me to be able to frame it in a way that was going to enroll everybody who was there. And I've started to see a movement of that happening in our church. <clears throat> but then I started also working with a leader who catalyzed a lot of the movement that was happening over in the Middle East. And, and th through that, I got some coaching and, and I, started learn, I started learning, I was very intrigued, well, how do you all go about relating to people in, that, in a very Muslim-populated culture, in a culture where you gotta be careful, like if you bring up Jesus, you know, it's like they're gonna shut you down, they're gonna ghost you. I mean, and, and honestly, it's very true, um, <clears throat> in our culture today. You know, we're worried about like our friends. I mean, uh, how many of you have friends like that, coworkers, neighbors, you know, you don't want to come on too strong because as soon as you do, they're going to shut you out. So how do you do this? How do you relate to people differently in order to enlist them to be interested in a relationship with God? And I started learning that what they do is they go out and they have, they have simple conversations to serious conversations to spiritual conversations. It's kind of like, what is that? Well, simple conversations is this. How's your day going? Turn to someone and say, how's your day going? I started learning that they are intentionally going out. And let me just give you a little secret. Intentionality. If you will say, and, 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 but if it's to be, it's not up to me. It's up to, it's up to God. It's up to the Holy Spirit. But if you will say, you know what? I'm going to intend something's going to happen today. I'm going to intend that I'm going to find a person who is open. I'm going to intend that I'm going to find a person who is searching and longing for somebody to find them. You know what's going to happen? God's going to lead you to find that person. And how do you begin? This is very important. Here's how we begin. How's your day going? We begin by simple conversation. And guess what I realized? Because he started challenging me, and God has used him to catalyze and to start 1,400 groups. Seven or eight people, some are 20 people, some are five or six people, but they're still, they've stuck together. And they become like a house church. But here's, the, here's what happens. Instead of them becoming a cozy, comfortable huddle, can you imagine the game, you know, this, a, a football team breaks out. I mean, I don't know if all you are football fans or know what I'm talking about, but they break.
three. Um, I felt the Lord, it wasn't audible, but I felt the Lord say this to me. I no longer want you going, I, don't, I no longer want you focusing on inviting people to church. I want you to go out, I want you to focus on inviting people to meet with you. It wasn't that I was dissing the church or I was no longer going to want to see the church, this kind of gathering grow, but it was a direct invitation. And then the guy that was coaching me, uh, who's works over in the Middle East and throughout Europe and where a movement of underground church is happening, uh, he gave a challenge to me to go out every single day and to do this. And I've never done it this way before because I've always gone out and I've done like acts of kindness and um, servant evangelism where you buy people's coffee or you buy down the cost of gas or you give groceries to a low, a low income housing project or whatever and people say, well, why are you doing this? And you just say, hey, I'm just showing you a little God's love today. And then you go, really? Yeah, and you go, and here's one of our cards and you give them a, a church card that has a, a positive message on it. Ours says nothing is stronger than love. And then, it's, they, and then they notice, Sanctuary Church, oh, where are y'all located? Oh, okay, over here. And maybe one out of 10 people would show up. And at best, I might get a chance to pray with a person, but then I would never see him again. You see, what God was telling me is to not take that, I could maybe do an act of kindness, but to have just a conversation with people that might lead into, hey, would you want to get together and let's talk some more? And let me tell you something that happened. I've probably asked 100 people the, the spiritual question. What is your biggest challenge or struggle in your life? Do you know out of 100 people, not one person has turned me down? Now, uh, many of them have said, I don't have time to meet, or and when I talk about, hey, you want to get together, they say, well, let me think about it. But here's what's interesting is I have led with my own vulnerability, and here's how I led with my vulnerability. You've got to find out what your vulnerability is going to be. My vulnerability was this. Well, actually, I'm a pastor, but after the pandemic, I became very disillusioned with the church, and I thought about quitting, which was the truth. And furthermore, I feel like so many people feel judged by the church. They feel misunderstood by the church, so I'm no longer inviting people to go to church. They're just kind of looking at me like, I kind of use the shock value, right? But it, le it leads into me being vulnerable like that to say, hey, so I'm trying, then I say, so I'm trying to go out, I'm just trying to ask people what are the struggles or the challenges they're facing in life. Would you mind if I asked you that? Not one person did not open up and share. Let me tell you something, people out there are starving for a place to be real. They're just trying to find a, a person who'll be real with them. Would you be willing to go out and be that safe person? Would you be willing to go and be that kind of person where some people, they don't feel like they can come to church, but you're going to be the church. You're not going to say I'm being church because you bring up the church word. That might ghost them. They might, be, might not be ready for that, <clears throat> but you could begin a relationship. So a couple of principles real quickly, and then I'll tell a couple of quick stories, then we're going to be finished. Strike while the iron is hot. One of the... If somebody's opening up to you, they're bearing your soul, don't just say, well, that's great, I'm gonna be thinking of you. No, strike, invite them into a relationship. And I've learned this principle in Matthew 11, 20, 11, 28 through 30, where Jesus talks about, come to me, all you who wear and carrying heavy burdens and all this kind of stuff. And then he says this, for my yoke is comfortable and the burden I give you to carry is light. I've learned that when I'm interacting with people, the spirit, as I step in and, just be, as I step in and say, Lord, I'm going to let down my nets for a catch. I don't feel like going deeper. 
Because when I thought about going out every day and having simple to serious to spiritual conversations and trying to get people to meet with me, I became, I want you all to hear this, seriously, I became so discouraged and overwhelmed by it, I thought about quitting on that. But you know what I did? What you feel God can heal. What I did is I brought the darkness out to the light. And I called the guy that was also coaching me over in the Middle East. I texted him. I said, I'm going to be, I said, I've got this verse I'm kind of claiming for the new year. He who began the good work will continue to cause it to grow until we see him. And I said, but to be honest with you, I've been completely overwhelmed by doing all this. Because I've never done it that way before, blah, 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 you know. And and I've just been going through a lot of stuff. You know what he'd said? He said, my dear brother. He gave me the most encouraging, compassionate response. It, it, was so, it just touched me so much. But then he said this. He said, but this is warfare. He said, chin up, hands up, look up. And I don't know what happened, but a combination of me bringing the darkness out of the light, him speaking out over me, me talking to Mike, me start praying with Mike, something changed and I started going out and I started doing simple, serious spiritual conversations. One conversation would meet, would lead to, and I would start finding people that God was laying on my heart who dropped out of the church. That was the first group. I started finding people that I didn't even know, random people, and then people started finding me. I remember finding Latasha who worked at, at a restaurant as a manager. And as soon as, and there wasn't anyone in when I went in and she was at the desk, you know, like to take your order. And, and as soon as I went in, she started talking about her struggles. It was amazing. And of course I asked her, I said, after listening and, I, and, and also expressing compassion and empathy, I said, you know what, if, if you could be free from that financial pressure you're talking about on a scale of one to 10, how bad would you want to be free? She said a 10. And I said, well, I'm meeting with people. I'm no longer inviting people to come to church. I'm inviting them to meet with me. And I'm sharing with them a process, and I would love to get with you and share with you this process because I believe that God wants to help you to overcome that challenge that you just told me about. Are you down for that? She said, yes. We meet up two days later, and you gotta strike while the iron's hot. You gotta set up the meeting as quick as possible. We go to the Taco Lucador. She brings her husband, Bill. Here's the point of this whole thing. Bill grew up being picked on. Bill grew up shy. After meeting with them and taking them through the Discovery Bible study um, for three months, Bill just started his first group and she just started meeting with two women. And she literally told me the other day, she said, my whole life has been changed in three months. She said, because I've always been a bee. I don't know. I'm not sure what that means, but anyway, you can go Google it. And then he told me, he goes, I've always been so shy that I could never even hardly interact with people. And now he's out interacting with people in Walgreens and all these different places. I think about Michael, who was a fallen worship leader and who went through a divorce. And he was so, so jaded about his relationship with God that he couldn't even pray. And after beginning working with him, he's now leading the, his, he's now leading the group with five or six guys that he, they used to party with, but now they're talking about Jesus and doing Discovery Bible Study together. I think about a guy named Josh who a couple of guys in our church met him hiking, 
and told him about what I'm doing. And so he wanted to meet. And we met. And after the first meeting, I said, you know what, Josh? Uh, he's, I said, who are the people in your life you feel like you want to reach? He goes, my wife and my two kids. Because my wife and I are on the verge of divorce. I said, Josh, because our schedule were so conflicted, I said, you know what? You can go do this. So on Friday night, he was going to do his first Discovery Bible study with his wife and his two teenage sons. I come to meet with him the second week, and, I, and, and um, we sat down, and I looked at him, and I said, well, how's it going? He looked at me, and he goes, I'm on fire. And now he and his wife together are no longer talking about being divorced. And his, and his two teenage sons are sharing the faith as well. I think about Laura, who has started meeting with, ran across people in the park and in the coffee shop and started two groups. And I could go on and on and tell so many other stories. I think about the guy that owns the coffee shop that I go into, who's from Saudi Arabia. His name's AJ. And, he went to, and the first time I met with him, he was opening the coffee shop. I said, you know, I bet there's a lot of struggles in opening up a new business like this. What kind of challenges are you facing? He goes, oh, man, I'm good. I'm blessed. And so I was, well, that's great. And so I kind of moved on. But then after coming in there for several weeks and meeting with people, one day he said, hey, how's your meetings going? And I said, I said, they're going great. I said, I'd love to share with you what I'd take people through if you'd like to have a coffee sometime. He says, I would love that. And now I've met with him twice and taken him through a Discovery Bible study. And he brought his friend Omar with him the last time. And his friend Omar runs the World Trade Center in Louisville. And um, this past week, we come in and we meet. And Omar says, well, I'm going back to Dubai because my family is still back in Dubai. He said, but I'd love to take you with me some, sometime. It's amazing what God is doing. He said, I want you to go out. I want you to invite people to meet with you. Zechariah 4.10 says this, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. God, and here's what God has done. He's started 14 groups. Seven of them are now being led by other people. Yes, they're still small. Some of them are just still one-on-one -on -one or two or three people. One of them is seven or eight people. And I'm meeting again now with seven new people. Yes, it's small, but the rumblings are there. It's kind of like Elijah saw the cloud coming. You know, it was small. They could barely see it, but the rain was coming. Don't despise the small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. How's God calling you to be a part of his army? to go out and to start asking people even though you don't feel like it to act your way into the feeling rather than feel your way into the action to start asking people every single day how's your day going start looking at the conversation moves more serious maybe you talk about something you're going through and maybe you say hey what, how's your life going what's happening in you, with you Jesus week We've fished all night, and I finish with this, We've, and the worship team can come on up. We have fished all night. I'm tired. I have worked hard. The last thing I want to do is do this. But Lord, I feel like you're telling me to do it. And I'm not going to do it out of obligation. I'm going to do it out of love. And something amazing happened. It's happened for me. It happened for Bill, who was shy,
It happens with anyone, at any time, at any place, if we're willing to say yes.